So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast. Leo and Toby are here with me and I'm Corsa Marchi, but we start today with a bit of a question and it's a who am I question I have for you boys. So I'm going to start slowly. You guys can jump in whenever you think you have an answer. Don't just start shouting every team. I know there's only 15 answers it could be. We need a, we need a buzzer, Arch. What do you want your buzzer to be? How about we just use our name? I think that would be excellent. We should do all right, it. All right, all right. This, this, pod, name. this podcast does not have the production value to give you guys buzzers. I'm sorry. So, who am I? This team has averaged 26 points a game, including over three tries a game. They have played three out of the four other teams in their conference, and they've won two out of three of those games. They are currently placed second in their conference. Their season does include a four-game losing streak. Leo. Leo. The Bulls. You are correct, sir. I'll give you some of their other... Oh, that's pretty good. That's quick. So their line-out is their biggest strength. For some reason. Completing over 90%. They have not won outside their own country, though they have handed a loss to our competition leaders. Record 3-4. and four, And their fullback Galant, is scoring five tries so far this season. And that is the Bulls. And I can confirm... Yeah. I can confirm Leo looking very smug on Skype right now. <laughs> Just so everyone's oh. aware. I so thought I that should. I smashed that. Well done, it was good. It was I good. thought that would give you a bit more trouble. I didn't realise you'd get that that quickly. I didn't realise they're second in no, their no, conference. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll fess up. So I, I had a look at the... Yesterday I was having a look at the, the tables and that was the one thing I took away from the sack was that the Bulls have somehow leapt up the conference to second place after one more win against the Sharks. And it just, it, we're having like a, like a bit of a, a flux in the, in the South African conference, a bit similar to the Australian. Like everyone's really close mm. in and around uh, behind first place. Uh, and yeah, it's only, only a game here and there that's going to decide who's, who's second. But it's, same in the Australian conference, we've got some sort of middling teams that can't quite put each other out of contention. And then in it's, you know, New Zealand teams, you've got, two, three, four teams that are all powering along. So lots of wild cards getting snapped up by the New Zealanders at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And as you allude to, round nine is in the books and look, we're getting starting to get to, into the second half of the season to the business end. But Leo, why don't you kick us off? What was your favourite moment of this weekend? Well, Archie, you'd know we, we got together and watched the Saturday quad set of games and, and capped mm-hmm. that off with the SCG fixture Reds and Waratahs and and that was a a really good game viewed at distance Um, and I was really impressed with Michael Wells for the Waratahs he had a really big game like he was a guy who has uh, shown some potential early in the season and we weren't really sure if he was a great impact player sort of felt like maybe he was just holding a spot while um, Jed was getting up to speed or or while Jack Dempsey was was out with injury, but look, he had a he had a great game, uh, great great efforts in defence, big hits, 
he's much faster than I expected. And, and breaking out for that try that he gifted uh, to Jake Gordon was was great. And he actually got man of the match in that game. I was, I was really impressed with him. He's um, he's doing what some of these Queenslanders are doing, which is coming coming out of the NRC and putting his stamp on his position. Yeah, I had a great time in the stands up there in the, the SCG this weekend. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to watch every game there. I think, you know, the viewing's a little bit better over at the SFS, but still a great a great chance to be part of one of those sort of historic encounters. Toby, what what did you like about the weekend? Mate, well, I've been watching a lot of the Hurricanes this year, and, you know, Ben Lamb for me was just a standout again. That try where he just kind of ploughed through everyone at, at pace and just... I don't know how he did it, but he got to the line pretty easily and just, just he looks at ease when he's running the ball. He's making all the right decisions and that Kane's back line is just so potent. Like, I just love watching them play. Um, and coupled with also Bowden's um, little gather off his toes and sprint down the line, kick in and gather in front of Brody Retallick to score that try as well. Just, you know, the Canes every week are just like a highlight reel. Um, and you barely see a bad game from them. So definitely the Canes for me. Yeah, I saw it earlier in the season. This Ben Lamb guy's going to be a big deal uh, within Super Rugby and probably going to be a big deal within the Australian Championship this year, I reckon. But for me, David Pocock, he's had a couple of weeks now, and he just looks as strong as ever. You see him in that Highlanders game, and he was just unmovable when he got over that ruck. And I think it's just... Really good signs, sort of, of things to come. He's still one of the strongest men in Australian rugby when it comes to ruck time and almost becomes that immovable object. And you just saw it. He was getting more turnovers than anyone else by far in that game, and you just saw his impact at the breakdown. And it's it's a great thing for the Brumbies because they, they've sort of liked that sort of pilferer in that role. Unfortunately... He wasn't able to do enough to win them the game this weekend, but I, I really think he improves that Brumbies team a lot. Match report, round nine. But let's look at the games in a little bit more detail, and we'll we'll start with the Rebels Jags. It's a Saturday afternoon affair we were watching, and well, the Rebels they were up front early, but sort of fell away, and they ended up going down to the Haguaros. To kick off the Haguaras tour with on a bit of a good note for the South Americans, but the Hags winning this twenty-five to twenty-two late. I think it's important to note that the Rebels could have come away with a draw in this game, and they chose to, you know, it was kind of win or or loss for them at that point when they chose to to go for the scrum and and just try and get the full points there. So they didn't take the soft option, but you know, ended up coming away with no points, and I think they were slightly, you know. Probably frustrated with that, but you know, if you if you go if you chance at all, you know, those those times in the game, you probably wouldn't do that in an international. But mm-hmm. in Super Rugby, they know that they need to get these wins to to finish on top against the Waratahs and teams like that in the Australian Conference. So, you know, they live and die by the sword. You realise that they got a point for losing within seven. Okay, well they get one. So. That they they were at a position they're in a position where they were going to get one point no matter what they could kick a penalty and pick up one extra point or they could gamble everything and play for three extra points so it's it's disappointing I I think actually the the refereeing right there at the end they they should have probably got another penalty on the line 
uh, mm. for the Hags not releasing in the tackle because yeah, the ref was screaming for them to release, and they they rolled over. Well, when the when the ball actually went to ground with the players, it popped up with the Hags, and there's no way that could have happened if they had released it. It should have come back. So they either should have got the ball for another phase, or, or they should have got a penalty. But instead, the game ended, so they would have had a second chance to kick the penalty or had another set play. Um, unfortunately, as you said, they they live and die by the sword. They they made that decision, and one questionable referee's decision at the end has has taken the, a second chance at a penalty. And so that you know, they they could have taken one extra point. Maybe they thought that they needed the win. Um, with, whether it's a bad tactical decision that they did it as a group, so that's a sign that they're. You know, they're they're actually talking to each other and and making decisions as a team, and that's that's probably a good thing. And the coach will tell them whether it was the right thing to do or not. And yeah, I think the rebels suffered from having Genia having to come off slightly injured, um, setting up one of the rebels' tries early in that second half. But they they lose him, and they seem to just lose a bit of direction in that back line. And it's something that you you know Michael Ruru can't quite do the same thing as he does he doesn't quite have the direction for the forwards and he doesn't quite have the kicking game of Kenya yeah you lose Genia I still think Debrasini isn't a particularly strong leader personality type so uh, they didn't look as as well guided once he left the field and they, they you know they had some players having having good games Murphy stuck it out for the 80 minutes in this one I think Mm-hmm. And Coleman was good. We saw him coming back, being more physical. We talked about it previous pod. And I, I like uh, Matt Phillip. Uh, I reckon he should be starting. But maybe they wanted the yeah. punch off the bench this week. They, they definitely got that punch. I think, look, I, I actually question um, Vessels' selections in this game. Playing guys like Parling, even Haylett Petty at six. I think Hardwick had a strong game. He was, he was everywhere early on. Um, happened to knock himself out kind of, playing that really physical style of game. But even the front row, guys like Talakai, Faulkner, um, you know, I would have liked to see Ainsley still in there, Phillips still in there, um, even Tamani as well in the back row. So, you know what, you tinker with these guys and perhaps they thought the Haguares were, you know, slightly softer opposition travelling and don't have a good record generally when they go away from home. So maybe they thought they could rotate some guys in. I think there's a bit of pressure with the Rebels roster actually giving these guys a go because they do have so much talent. So I think Vessels is probably trying to, you know, give these guys a run and also freshen up players for the big tour coming up to South Africa. Yeah, I think it played into the Haguaros' hands um, and I don't think the Brumbies will make the same mistake next week. And once again, the Rebels have dropped uh, a lead. So we might think that there wasn't the right selections. They, They got... 19 points out of, out on the field pretty early on. It's it's that staying power that the focus to, to play out the rest of the half and not allow the opposition back in and then really foot on throat, keep keep them out and finish the game strongly. That's that's what they seem to lack when when things get a bit challenging and the opposition put put their fight back in the game and try and try and wrestle it back. The rebels aren't winning that wrestle. They they're giving ground and and they're going backwards and I don't think any of the combinations have, have shown enough for me to, to be confident that they can't, uh, that, they'll, that they'll defend a, a lead once they've got it against a team who's, who's trying to wrestle the momentum back. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I've been, there's been a few articles already written this week and things talking about, oh, look, it's part of the 
rebels trying to change their culture because they do have this sort of history of losing and things and not being able to put it together for the full 80 minutes, which I think is a bit of a soft excuse for these guys. They they know very well how to win. They have put in... Sounds like a great crowd and excuse. Yeah, it's like you, you have put in 80-minute performances already in this championship. You can't just say, oh, every time we fall off in the second half, it's like, oh, because we're, we're scared of losing or we're just not used to being in front. So we, we don't play that well in the second half. I think it's a little bit soft. I think it's, 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 it's probably mindset. Is, is Genia going to be out for a few weeks? Yeah, he's out. So what do, what do the Rebels do? What do the Rebels do? They play Ruru and they play Debrasini and they probably lose. Mm. That's what they do. But having said that, I might tip them against the Bulls. So I'm, I'm yet to You're decide You're going to tip them against the Bulls? Yeah, I feel like this could be a time where they actually show their, their character and Vessels get some really pumped up. Um, they face a bit of adversity um, and no one really gives them a chance over there in Pretoria. Mm. And I think they may come out and just surprise everyone and, and have a big game against the Bulls. And I feel like it could be a pretty high-scoring game. If they get going again, they could even you know try and give Maddox more of a, a run as a central playmaker. Uh, Debrasini, you could shift him back to fullback at times. He's comfortable there as well. Uh, so you could kind of tinker with your lineup a little bit in terms of the back line. Um, I'm not sure if Reese Hodge is on tour at all, but you got guys like Naivalu, Korobidi, like they can score so many tries. They've got so much talent out there with DHP back as well. So interesting to see what they do. Uh, but I do give them quite a strong chance against the Bulls. I just don't know if I'm actually going to tip them yet. Interesting, interesting. I don't know if I would yeah, be giving them that stronger chance. All right, leaving that game for the moment, let's look at the Highlanders-Brumbies game that was down at Forsyth Bar. So a tough ask for the Brumbies going to a fairly hostile enemy territory in this. And it was close. I don't think the score fully sort of reflects this game, but the Highlanders scored some late tries as they're prone to do and came away with the win here, 43 to the Brumbies, 17. Yeah, I think this reflects the intensity that the Kiwis play at because you get the Brumbies coming in and the first half's really even and they're they're sort of taking points off each other. It's back and forth, back and forth. Everyone's looking pretty solid. Uh, We talked about Pocock having a big influence. He's winning them some ball, keeping them in games, uh, giving them attacking opportunities and counter-attacking opportunities and and even penalties. Um, But... The Highlanders, like we, you can say that Naholo, you know, he rips rips off an intercept and runs sixty meters. Um, there's there's a quick play the ball and Ben Smith goes down the line and they, they have another breakout for Frizzell to score. All those things are achievable when uh, you take a few risks, you trust your defense to cover if you don't capitalize on that risk, and you're bringing intensity that the other team can't match and just running them all over the field and, and finding holes. So I think that's I don't know if it's a fitness thing or a structure thing that the Brumbies just didn't look like. You couldn't see the 15 guys on the field late in that game. Uh, the the Highlanders had plenty of space to to play with, and and then it's just a you know they've got the confidence and the momentum, and they just roll us. But it could have been so different if you like, yeah, you mentioned that Nahola intercept that came when just a little bit into the second half, and what the score was 15 to 10 at that point to the Highlanders. And it's it's the difference of, like, probably half a metre 
if he doesn't quite get his hands on that ball, it's either a penalty, a yellow card, or if it goes through, there are two men open on the side and they score and suddenly the Brumbies are in front. I don't know. I feel like this game is so close. Could yeah, be, absolutely. Could be different. So, so close. In that situation, in that situation, would would you prefer to go through the hands, keep it short, or you may not be get, getting the overlap if you do that? Maybe if they'd seen the hollow coming up, then the option was to chip through or grab it through behind. You've got to take the chances because that's what the other team is doing. And unfortunately, the hollow was up so flat, he caught that ball cleanly almost you know, as he went through the line and no one was going to run him down. Hmm. That's, you know, that's, that's going to happen in games when people take chances. And, and yeah, you're right. If they, if they drop it, they might get a card, but it's, it's pivotal. Yeah. This Highlanders team has a lot of talent though. And I wasn't surprised to see this scoreline blow out, but the Brumbies did defend quite well in the first half and they were bringing some good intensity. They actually reminded me a little bit of how the Reds, were playing a few weeks ago where they were just up for anything really physical in contact. Um, yeah, just didn't let let their line kind of break at all and really restricted the Highlanders, but that obviously just changed midway through that second half and disappointing from them because I think they were really up for this game and probably felt pretty well placed there in the in the end of the first half. But yeah, just just couldn't really keep it going for 80 minutes and I think they'll be looking to change that big time against the Aguares. Um, I, I'm tipping um, a bit of a turnaround. I think the Brumbies, if they can bring that intensity that they did in the first half into their next game, I feel like slowly they're starting to turn their season around a little bit. They just need to string a couple of wins together and you could see, I think, a bit of momentum build there. Yeah, well, of course, it helps they get to head back to Canberra now and have a few home games. But do remember they... They still have to go on their sort of South African three-game tour um, a bit later in this, so that they need to get these wins on the board now, otherwise they're going to be struggling to string together those wins later on. Yeah, it's true. And I definitely think they are strongest when they can hold the ball for a few phases and, and roll their momentum. That they're, they're not that explosive, exciting team yet, and I don't know if they will be. I like Fanui Huera. I, li- I like that... He's, he looks like he's willing to try a few things. He's got a good pass. He's you know that that cutout pass that was intercepted was a good pass. Just there was a, an opposition defender there to catch it. But like he he is a is a really good uh, player to to have there. They'll be able to expand more. But they've got to hold the ball for a few more phases. It can't can't be looking to push these uh, New Zealand teams to the edges on the third or fourth phase and expect to break out. That we haven't we haven't broken down their defence yet. I want to see them carrying the ball up through the forwards a bit more. Do you guys have a preference when it comes to Powell or Ben Lucas? I, was I mean, just sorry, Matt ask Lucas you guys starting this as well. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm still undecided on it. I was kind of you know very adamant that Joe Powell should come back in starting at number nine, but you know what, Matty Lucas looked quite good there in the first half. Um, Joe Powell got a try in the second half, but yeah, it's kind of tight to, to call it at the moment. Look, I, I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I, I don't think it matters at the moment. Yeah, I'm a little bit of the same. I mean, I haven't been really impressed by Powell last couple of weeks. I did think he showed a little bit more um, of a spark and was very energetic when he came on the second half of this game. But is he that much better than Matt Lucas? He doesn't really <laughs> offer anything great in terms of a kicking game. I can't really say their passing is that different. They both have a reasonable pass off the ground, both sides. 
there's not really too much. Powell might have a little bit more sort of sniping, sort of looking to run it himself a bit. That's the only thing maybe yes. that puts it in, puts him a little bit in front. And yeah. that's the reason I, I would pick him if I had to pick someone. It's just that little I, bit yeah. more probing around so. the ruck. That's important. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Powell eventually come back in there. Dargaville tries hard, but I still think they'll probably bring Spade in back for Dargaville's wing, keep Penny. They're close to probably their full-strength team. If they got Rob Valentini back and, you know, have Spate come back on the wing, persevere with Awera and Lee Lufano, and then probably Powell come back at nine, and then suddenly, you know, you're looking pretty strong across the park. So hopefully they can get some momentum and get a couple of these guys back into the team. And, yeah, it'll be it'll be good science for them, I think, going forward, hopefully. Yeah, we'll definitely hope. Hopefully they get themselves back. Oh. Still, I'm still a bit sore that Valentini got injured so early in the season. I was so looking forward to watching him this year. Mm. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. Well, we said a little bit about this before. It was the first game at the FCG for over 30 years for Rugby Union. The Waratahs versus the Reds, and they looked pretty good in their sort of heritage jerseys. The Reds going back to their classic maroon look. The Waratahs with the light blue and the patchwork. But it was a good game to watch, and it was great to see the Waratahs. I think they're they're putting away some of those sort of critiques, especially of their forward pack. They went up against the Reds that are a lot bigger, but they you know they used their mobile forward pack they got around, and they came away with a bonus point win, thirty seven to sixteen. And a lot of that's down to Michael Wells's effort, and Will Miller I thought had another great game, um, bringing a lot of energy, active all over the field in defence and attack, and with with that loose. Loose backs, uh, sorry, loose forwards playing really well. Uh, that that may have sort of made the difference to to compete with the Reds, who looked a little bit flat. Like they had their moments, but they they didn't look consistent. They looked like they couldn't quite get momentum in attack, and there was a lot of a lot of kicking and and sort of change of possession uh, from both sides. But uh, yeah, the, I was really impressed with the loose forwards and Jake Gordon again. That he's he must be the reserve scrum half for the Wallabies based on his current form. I, I, I can't pick anyone else except Jake Gordon to go in behind Genia. Um, Yeah, I completely agree. I was worried at the start of this game that we were going to see the Waratahs sort of falter and not be able to sort of complete a bit of these attacking opportunities they were putting together. They just seemed like they were just faltering at the last step. But then you have Jake Gordon, right, just has a nose for the line, knows exactly how to get the ball down over the line. And he's just got that extra little bit of pace. He got that ball after that Michael Wells breakout on the inside. Bobbled a little bit, but managed to hold on and put on the speed. And, you know, he burnt through, I think it was John Lance and someone else, maybe um, Toa at the back there, um, that he just put on the speed and got in front of those guys and got over the line. So I think that really did a lot to help sort of the New South Wales sort of momentum and moving forward to get a a bonus point win in this game, which is very important in your know, interconference games. If he plays anything like that, he's going to be pushing Genia for a starting spot of the Wallabies. Like I think he's in that good of form, um, particularly now that Genia has picked up a bit of an injury. Jake Gordon could be the next one in line for the Wallabies there. So interesting, interesting game really. And I wasn't there; I was watching it streaming on my laptop. So very different experience for me. But yeah, it did look like the ground itself. Um, was a little bit far from the stands. But I guess, you know, having that historical element to the game probably made it quite worthwhile. And the jerseys looked 
look brilliant. I was a big fan of those. It's just a shame the Tars, you know, aren't going to make those available to the public. I think they missed a bit of a chance um, to sell some more jerseys there. But um, Tom, Toby, yeah. rugby talk. No, mate, it's important. Trust me. Like Waratahs last couple of years have had some pretty pretty gross jerseys, and this one kind of caught my eye. I would have snapped up a couple of them, I reckon. So, you know, come on, Tars, get your act together. Uh, but yeah, Reds look flat again in this game. I wasn't particularly impressed. They just can't score tries. Like, if you look at the stats, uh, the Lions have scored 30 tries more than the Reds this season. The Reds have scored 13 tries so far this season, and it's just not good enough at the moment. Their defense is, you know, generally pretty good. So they've got that aspect of their game right. They're physical in contact. Um, and they generally do bring good intensity to the game. The last couple of games have been a bit off, I think, since they got back from touring. But, you know, they just need to find a way to score tries. And that's where this whole talk of, oh, Brad Thorne, should you bring Quade Cooper back in has come from because they just can't score tries. Do you think that's where the problem is, though? Is it is it Lance or the 10 or is it just the back line itself? What What do you think needs to change? Look, I think... At the start of the year, we were thinking Duncan Paella is going to be at number 12 and they're going to do that dual playmaker um, combination there. Instead, they've kind of gone for more of a crash ball runner at 12 for the majority of the season. And I'm not sure it's quite working for them. I just think perhaps they need someone that's a little bit more creative there in that back line to help John Lance out. I don't think Quade Cooper's the answer. I don't think they should bring him back. But whether they give, um, you know, Duncan another go at 12 um, and you shift Feiwai Sotia onto the wing, I'm not too sure what the answer is. But Aiden Toll doesn't quite offer enough from 15 to help in terms of playmaking for John O'Lance. So, yeah, they just... Tuttle as well has fallen off a little bit. Um, so I think that's actually damaged their backs as well. He hasn't really been at his best last few weeks. So... I would say that I, I think their best combination, 9, 10, 12, is still Tuttle, Jono, and Karevi. And I think they looked weaker with Karevi further out. Having said that, they need to get more opportunities uh, for Karevi to run it more than just a, a set defensive line where, yeah, he might crash into a couple of forwards. He might, he might get an arm free, maybe offload. But earlier in the season, he was bowling people over, catching them on the back foot and just steamrolling them. And they don't seem to get those opportunities. So maybe that's the build-up play as well. Um, I, I would leave him at 12 because I want him running some lines off off the hands of Lance. I agree that I don't think Toe is a particularly sort of complementary piece in attack. He, he does tend to get the ball. We see a lot of grubbers down the line when he gets it. It, he's, it seems to be looking for kicks rather than contact. And I think he needs to probably run from deeper, hit the, hit the ball a bit harder with pace, and look like he wants to contest in contact and then be throwing passes to to wingers and and maybe Karevi coming back on his inside because at the moment I think they've figured him out. They they think if we can leave some space in behind, he'll see the kick, he'll put it into touch or our fullback will just snap it up and we'll have the ball back. Here's, Here's another idea for you that they could potentially look at. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Hamish Stewart. I know that he's kind of been touted as the next number 10 there in Queensland once John O'Lance departs. But John O'Lance started at 15 for the Reds in the 2011 final. Could you shift him back to fullback and put Hamish Stewart there at 10 and kind of start getting that combination with Tuttle and Stewart? 
um, instilled through this season so that they're prepared for next season. I think that could be an idea. Or even put Duncan in at 10 for a bit. He was playing for the yeah, Australian team versus the Barbarians last year. He, he, yeah, he looks very out of form, though, and that's that's been of concern. When he has had an opportunity, he hasn't taken it at all in any capacity. So hmm. I think that's concerning, and Stewart probably has showed a little bit more. Um, so perhaps getting him him in at 10 and giving him a bit more time there, and John Lance just shifts out to the back but can inject himself where needed, um, and then you've still got that smart tactical kicking option that Lance brings as well. Maybe Toa needs a bit of a spell on the bench for a week or so to see if that combination could actually work because they haven't really moved their back through around too much. Um, and Toa has showed some, some good form, but I think they just need more of a playmaker there in the back line. Yeah, it's sort of when they're, they're missing having Carmichael Hunt a little bit there, I think, as well. So Yeah, and it doesn't look like he's coming back. No, so can't see anything like sad. that happening now, but yeah. All right, let's let's jump around the other games quickly. We had the Sunwolves taking on the Blues as well on that Saturday afternoon. The the other of those four games, and the Sunwolves looked a bit threatening early, but Blues obviously came good, and they just sides just outmuscled the Sunwolves, and they came away winners twenty four to ten. Yeah, the the Sunwolves again they look look promising, but fell away. Uh, the Blues, even even injury ravaged, managed to put enough attack together to to break through the Sunwolves, another team that probably struggled to to put down the five pointers. Which, you know, it's not a problem to to not be scoring tries as long as you're scoring penalties. You have got to be scoring something, or you've got to have that rock solid defence so that you can be winning games on the back of only twenty or so points. But uh, the Sun the Sunwolves still showing showing patches of potential, but. But not really holding up, and and you get a guy like Akira Yuani running at some of those tired some Wolves players. The size differences just can't be can't be sort of surmounted, and and he just rolls over for tries, and that's exactly what we expected leading this game. See a fair impact from him and his brother Rico, and and that's what we got. Blues still very, you know, this is not a great performance from them, and you know it is a win. It's the second win of the season. But they're still not going to be happy, and I think the coaching setup there, there may need to be a change next year because I don't think Tan is necessarily getting it done with these these player stocks. You know, this has been a story of the Blues for a number of years now that they've got a lot of talent, you know, strewn throughout the team, but they can't seem to play cohesively as a unit. Um, I don't know how you change that, whether it's just the culture there or, or the coaching. I'm not too sure, but. They definitely do have a lot of good players and they, they should be performing at a higher standard, I think. Well, hopefully they'll expect to get uh, Ruru back this week. Uh, Augustine Pulu back this week, sorry. Um, and look, they've got home games uh, against um, the Highlanders and they're also playing the Hagiwaras coming up before playing the, the Waratahs in a few weeks out at Brookvale Oval. So, I mean, that, those are a few games they could potentially put together a couple of wins. And look, that may change the view of their whole season, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see them really showing enough to yeah to validate those coaches' jobs at the moment. I think Sunwolves. Look, it's it's a working process. I don't think they're gonna. I think Jamie Joseph has brought a good change and a good difference in terms of play style, and it will take time for that to implement. Yeah, and the Friday night game and. Uh, Toby talked about a bit earlier. Hurricanes taking on the Chiefs and winning twenty-five to thirteen, and 
You're right. Bowden's foot was magically better this week, and he definitely didn't have any problems regathering and sprinting down the lines. And yeah, that that try he just picked out of nowhere really helped them a lot. And Ben Lamb, he's good. I keep saying it, he's good. Even without TJ Perinara, Hurricanes win this. That's good. I think, yeah, but still the Canes did miss Perinara, and I think that could have the potential to, to stifle them a little bit going forward. Uh, the halfback that replaced him just didn't provide as quick a service and, and wasn't as dynamic in general. So they may struggle a little more without TJ there for a number of weeks. But you know what? Their back line has, has got enough talent throughout just to to make up for that and they should just continue to to be on their winning ways i'd say for the next few weeks at least um Bowden barrett just remarkable um as i said hurricanes team to watch i think this season they're entertaining and they get the job done so what more do you want it's interesting in this game that still i really like ale marlo and and charlie nartai in the in the chiefs like between those two and mckenzie they've got a lot of attacking potential but this game, this game sort of maybe demonstrated that erratic element of the Chiefs more than ever. I think I saw three or even four passes from McKenzie that he was really trying to push, push wide quickly, and he couldn't actually get the ball to the player. He, he threw a number of balls, like what, what would have been a long cutout ball. It was a long pass. I couldn't throw it that far. But for, for McKenzie, maybe, maybe the fact that he was tired or... I'm not sure what it is. It was, it was odd to see so many of them not make the players' hands, and that's that's a sign of desperation to me. If he keeps throwing them and they're going to ground, like you're never going to get an overlap with a ball coming off two bounces. I think it was the pressure of um, you know matching up against Bowden Barrett and trying to really assert himself and play to the same level that Bowden was playing. And Mackenzie, you know, the All Black selectors want him there playing. You know, getting his time at number 10 as a backup to Bonham Barrett. Moang is injured at the moment. Lima Sopoang is going overseas. You know, the Blues don't really have a consistent number 10. So it's it's kind of down to Damian McKenzie at the moment to, to be that backup. And so I feel like he is feeling a bit of the pressure to really, you know, compete with Bowden and, and show how talented he is. Like, I think everyone knows how good Damian McKenzie is, but he just needs to settle sometimes in, in the way he plays. I think this we we need to look at this game in in context of next week. If the Chiefs and the, come up against the Reds, can the Reds put a lot of effort into attack early, put some points on, and then really really stand up with their defence? If they can get McKenzie to start doing things like he did in this game, there's no reason why they can't capitalise on some some forced errors uh, and 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 score some some extra points from counter attack because. The Chiefs, the Chiefs look really flustered in this game on, when things didn't go their way, but they they are very dangerous when those guys at the back are combining well. So we need to look to the Reds to play a really intense first twenty minutes and try and bottle these Chiefs up, make them feel the pressure, uh, and then and then see if they can capitalise on some of this wild erratic play. Yeah, and I think it will take it will take a Reds performance that we saw sort of earlier in the season where. Just that really hard-nosed defense and absolutely stop guys in their track. And that's the only way they're really going to do it. The other, the other game we had this week was the Sharks versus the Bulls. And the Sharks returning from their tour. And we sort of had high hopes after they put that strong performance in against the Hurricanes. But the Bulls just started fast and got early tries and, you know, run away with this one. Bulls 40 to the Sharks 10. 
Yeah, the Sharks, I think, got caught out a little bit by this one. And I think they probably were buoyed by their performances late on tour in New Zealand and probably felt like they would roll home and not have an easier game, but, you know, have a have a game perhaps that was manageable where they could come home, get a bit of rest and, and take on a, a, a bull side that's still developing. It wasn't the case. The Bulls kind of outplayed them. They had some better tactical kicking and they could they could score wide through guys like Gallant, you know, just kept it tight in the forwards and were able to make a, a fair bit of headway there. So Bulls able to vary their attack um, and, and pretty decent in defense as well. So it's a bit funny with these South African teams. We think, you know, they have a couple of good performances and we get a little bit carried away with them. And it happened the same way with the Stormers. We were really impressed by them. And then they just completely fell off. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Sharks can bounce back from from a pretty big defeat against a you know South African rival, and come back next week, or you know are they going to succumb to the pressure and and some of these you know more physical teams in South Africa where if you're not ready they're just going to run over the top of you. I'm not too sure. It was a good game from Gallant. I think he's he's struggled to really break out and assert himself in games so far this season. So that that made a big difference. He he was instrumental in a lot of their attack early that got them out to that lead. So it, it, seeing him come come to the fore and play strongly for the Bulls really changed the shape of their attack. He, he was a suspect defender in some of their games earlier in the season, but in both attack and defense, he seemed to have their measure this game. Yeah, it seems like the Bulls, since they've um, disregarded that horrible yellow tour jersey, they've really sort of turned back on a bit of form. And yeah, like a, we've had in that sort of quick question, <laughs> I was surprised to see they're now second in the conference, but you know they've put they've put away the Stormers, they've put away the Sharks. Only team they've sort of lost to there is the Lions, as we know who are strong. So it's a real sort of hot race in the middle of that South African conference now between these guys. I think you know the Bulls are mildly in second, only just there. There's daylight between them and the Lions in first, and I think by the end of the season you'll see the the Bulls finish in fourth. I think both the Sharks and the Stormers. Um, will pick up their performances now and, and I think they'll finish above the Bulls. But it's good to see them, particularly with, as we've been saying, a young team, a developing team. They're probably performing above expectations this season and, and it's great to see, particularly with, you know, the how you are is in that conference as well, very erratic team. It's maybe a little bit how the the South uh, the Australian teams were placed last year in the conference they don't have a lot of points, these these teams, you know, two to five in the South African conference. You know, they, they haven't got a lot of wins so far, but they're all tightly contesting that, probably that second spot, that wildcard spot um, to come. So, you know, if the Haguaras can have a, a strong end to their tour, you never really know what's going to happen in that conference. But as I said, I think the, the Bulls and the Haguaras are still going to be the bottom two in that. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, look, I think the way it's panned out and the way performances have panned out, this is the right type of selection for this game. Now to uh, Wallaby watching. We were talking about it a bit last week. We're going to look forward at the June series and what the Wallabies are going to do, who they're going to put on. And this week, we're just going to have a look at the front rows. So let's, you know, start off number one, loose head prop. What, you've got four options in Australia at the moment. James Slipper, Tom Robinson, Scott CO, or Tatera Faulkner, where... Where are we thinking? What I'm thinking is that James Slipper 
has has done enough to to justify coming in at number one. Strong start to the season. Reds had the Brumby scrum bottled up in their contested games. I'm I'm happy to see someone like Slipper starting that series at number one. Uh, closely followed by Scott Sear, and I think you guys are probably same or or maybe the other way around. Yeah, for me, Co. I think. He was plagued with injury a little bit earlier in the season, but it looks like he's coming into form now. Was strong in the scrum against the Highlanders, and I th- I think still he's the premier loose head in Australia at the moment. For for Hooker, I'd have Tatafu in there. Check has already had a chat to him about coming back from the, the premiership in England and, and playing the June series. So I think his experience and and just his all-round play, he's got you know strong set piece, and he's also really good around the field. So I think... Him at hooker against a really experienced Ireland team is going to be essential, provided he's injury-free and and fit enough playing over there in those English conditions. So, you know, Tatafu for me there. Um, and I'd be picking Sakopi Kepu at Tidehead. Um, again, he's had a few weeks off, but, you know, it looks like he's he's quite fit at the moment and he's coming into form as well. Um, and I think he, he always seems to grow an extra leg when he plays in the gold jersey. So... For me, I'd go for a more experienced front row. Um, and then I'd probably bring in guys like BPA on the bench for the hooker, reserve hooker role, um, with a special mention to Falau Fainga. Um, and then for me, yeah, Reds in Slipper and Taniela Tupo for a bit of punch, perhaps in the second half, and a bit more of that running ability, which um, I think, you know, it's good to see with the Australian props because we haven't always had that. So someone like Tongan Thor. Bring him off the bench and, and finish strong. No Jordan Ulysi? Jordan Ulysi, I think, um, has, yeah, he's been a little bit out of form probably the last month or so, and he's had a, had a few injuries. So for me, I don't think he's shown enough. Um, I think potentially if they're conservative, they they take him in as the reserve hooker um, or the third hooker there. But Falau Fianga, from what I've seen, has been very impressive and Probably has a similar game to Ulysses, so I think it's going to be between those two. I'm not sure you get Rangi in there. All right. So we know what Toby thinks from one to three and then the bench. Uh, what I would say to that, I, I, I actually think Tatafu Plotter, if you were picking last year's front row, you've got Scott Sio, Tatafu, and Kepu. And that's and that's fine. But I, I considered what, what happens if Taf isn't, isn't ready or can't get back or Let's let's look at our domestic stocks and actually found myself struggling a bit because Hooker is particularly thin. So Brendan Pangramosa, I think, is the form hooker. He, he was one of the standouts for the Reds on the weekend in a losing side. Um, brings heaps of energy, is, is a good ball runner, is good support player. Lineouts are pretty consistent. Uh, I, I would happily have him in there to start with James Slipper if Tatafu isn't available. And I think we're all agreed that Kepu is is probably the the best tight head we've we've got running around although he probably doesn't play as many minutes as as some of the other guys yeah i, I agree Kep, kepu's definitely the number one sort of tight head in his scrumming ability and when he does get the ball in open play he can do things with it and he can pass and offload which is always good reserve sort of tight head i still think it's a little bit um depending on what if they want to put taniela tupo in alan alatoa has had some good games this year and he could still be someone you put in to get that sort of um, Brumbies connection with Co and Alatoa in the props there. We know they can do pretty strong work in the scrums. We've seen a strong Brumbies scrum this year. 
Yeah, that's what I was looking for in combination. Someone like Slipper and Brendan Pangramosa, and later on maybe you've got a bit more of a Brumbies flavour in your in your props. That's that's understandable. Yeah, I think you'll see Alatoa and Tom Robertson in there in the squad. Um, whoever you know, these guys are all good players, and I'm actually pretty happy with our, our stocks in terms of the front row at the moment. Hook is a little bit dicey, perhaps, but you can see that there are some good young guys coming through, which is promising. So strong in the props, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see some entertaining um, guys running around there at, at hooker for the Wallabies. On form, it's possible Fitzpatrick gets in there too. Oh, if, again, if no, Tav, he's, if he's too is, small. He's too small. So. For no, he's too small, but he's been playing well. But I think internationally, it's another standard. I don't think he. I think he'd get destroyed in international scrums. I'd put. Yeah, more, yeah I'd, I'd put. I'm more just money if you don't have like, Tafu, Checker bring in like Tolu Latu just because maybe he reckons he can motivate him more sort of himself than what he's been getting him down there at the Waratahs. And trying to build him up yeah. a little bit to try and get him back into a good I don't know form. what's a... going on with with Tolu, man. Like he, this was his opportunity. I, I think I mentioned it to one of you guys on the weekend. Like Tolu, you know, this was his time to step up and really grab that Wallabies number two jersey with limited competition around him domestically. You know, if you took Pilota now out of the mix as well, like we'd look a little bit shaky there. So that's what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, Brandon Panger, most has done well, but I think Tolu Latu, um, I'm not sure what his deal is at the moment, but he, if he, you know, he's still got a few weeks to go. He could really step it up if he could break into that, you know, Waratahs 23 and have some good performances. At the moment you got Hugh Roach playing ahead of him, I don't think he's injured. I, I just don't think he's impressing in training and, and Daryl Gibson's not giving him an opportunity. So it's a shame. Mm. I think to, if Tololatu was at 100% of what we've seen in the past, he would be the backup one behind TPN. Yeah, I agree with that. And I thought that would be the case this year, but completely different. Like, he hasn't shown anything. Round 10. All right, let's have a look at the upcoming round, round 10. And we have buys only to the Hurricanes this week, so they get a week off uh, just to rest up because apparently they need it after having such hot scintillating form. Um, but the first game on Friday afternoon, uh, the Blues come back to Auckland and facing the Highlanders who just had that win we were talking about versus the Brumbies. And are the Highlanders going to keep this rolling? Yeah, for me, I think the Highlanders definitely can can take this game. They've struggled a little bit against the Crusaders and also the Hurricanes already this year. But the Blues, having travelled and not really impressed against the Sunwolves, they'd really have to um, step it up to get over the Highlanders, even though this is a... Eden Park, which has been a bit of a fortress internationally for New Zealand. But, you know, the Sharks beat the Blues over there in Eden Park. And I think the Highlanders, after a pretty impressive performance against the Brumbies, will keep things rolling and and take this Blues team. Whether it's a high-scoring game or not, I'm not too sure. But I think the Highlanders will score a fair few points, whether the Blues can match them. Yeah, I don't think the Blues will match them. The only way I see the Blues contesting this is they bring back off injury, people like Augustine Pulu, they rally behind Tana Munger if there's a bit of, you know, questionable uh, discussion about his position this week in the press. They, they, they need to find something to motivate them and lift because the Highlanders are just seeing Ben Smith coming back into form, getting a bit more ball and, and impressing himself upon games. And they are very, very strong across the park. They've got that many Dixons, it's ridiculous. 
they're, they're definitely going to be the, the hot favourite going into this one. That forward pack is just a pack of Dixons now. No, I think you're right. Highlanders definitely take this one, even away from home. They're going to be too strong. Uh, next, we'll jump ahead to the Australian game and the Waratahs. And the Lions come on tour um, back to the Allianz Stadium. So we're not at the cricket ground. So a little bit better viewing for myself, at least, because I know I'll be there at the game. Can I just say, shame on you, Archie. Shame on you Why? for your pick this week. That's just sad. All right, yeah, highlighting it. I look. I was just looking at some of the history between these guys, and it's always high-scoring games. But I think the Lions are coming into form, and if they have, I think they're going to have Warren Whiteley back. And I think, I don't know. I just this this is when I get confident about the Tars when they string a few performances together and they let me down. So, look, I'm trying to get out ahead, out ahead of that, and I'm going to tip the Lions. He's trying to get out. Trying to get out of his support of the Waratahs. Well, you can have no, your he's rebels. trying to get some tips back because he's so far behind in tipping. He's trying to pull off all these <laughs> upset picks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I am in a position of comfort where I can pick a favourite, uh, which is what I'm definitely doing this week. Waratahs, I think, can do it. There's definitely plenty of scenarios where the Lions come and, and play incredibly high-intensity football and the Waratahs can't quite match it, but... I think the Waratahs have seen enough of the Lions this year. They should have plenty of tape, even with Warren Whiteley coming back. They need to show that they're a smart team and, and to shut this Lions attack down. And they've got plenty of attacking weapons themselves. So considering the, the lineup they had last week, Hegarty needs to throw some better passes. But outside that, I think they've definitely got the, the talent to beat the Lions. So I'm tipping the Waratahs. And Falau's not back for this game, is he? He's still, he's still no, injured. I think he's still yeah. got... I'll, couple more games, a couple more weeks, yeah. So I think the Waratahs, they do have some injuries. I think Wells and, and um, also Will Miller. Will Miller. Yeah. Yeah, they had some shoulder complaints, so a couple of injuries there. I think um, even if Jed comes into eight and they have to put Hannigan back at six and bring in um, someone like Staniforth into the second row, I think the Tars can keep this rolling and, and keep, you know, I think it's going to be a really tough game for them. Maybe the biggest challenge this season so far, but you know it'd be a different story if they had to go to Joburg and play the Lions. But bringing the Lions out here, um, I think the Waratahs can probably win this in a in a quite a narrow narrow margin. I reckon they can take it. No, it's sure to be a good game, and there's going to be a good game before that. It's the Super W final is a bit of the curtain raiser for this game, and it's New South Wales women versus uh, the Queensland women. And look, I'll I'll show my sort of home, hometown spirit, and I'll get behind. I think the New South Wales women have shown it all season, and they should take this in a in a good win. I reckon they can come out, and if they get some early points on, they can sort of run away with this and probably blow out the score here. So let's everyone get down there and, yeah, get your blue jerseys on, support both teams, and hopefully they can come away with a back-to-back New South Wales victory in these ones. Next game we have uh, the Crusaders... Um, versing the Sunwolves on Saturday afternoon, and uh, I feel like this is going to be a pretty easy one, two, three uh, for all of us. I don't think anyone's going to go against the Crusaders in this one. They've what they've had a week off after their sort of tour and things, and the Sunwolves just having to travel to New Zealand now. I can't see any sort of joy of them getting out of this game. How many points? How many points? Uh... I think 58 points to the Crusaders and maybe about 16, uh, 17, 18 points to the Sunwolves. 
I think that's generous. I reckon. I reckon they'll win by forty. Yeah, but I'm thinking. George more Bridges score a hat trick. Yeah, fifty yeah. to ten. It sounds kind of right. I feel like I've seen it before. You know, I feel like this is just. You know, you don't even need to watch this game because the Sunwolves shouldn't have a chance. I mean, if they pulled this one off, it'd be ridiculous. But Crusaders have kind of, I think, you know, they've they've had to go through some adversity, and it looks like they've come through that, and and they're they're feeling a little bit more confident in in their performances, and yeah, it's the same back to business for them, and and they'll take care of business, I think, with relative ease here, unless they. Happen to rest a few players, you just don't know. But, um, yeah, Crusaders should do this pretty easily. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised they put more than 50 points on here. Um, so maybe not the game that you need to tune into. Rather than that, let's you should be tuning into the Saturday night game, the Reds versus the Chiefs, that's sure to be a little bit of a thriller down in Suncorp. And Reds returning home. And, look, then they need to step up and get a bit of hometown support behind them because they're, they're going to had the hands full trying to manage the Chiefs team. Now Leo's flagged here that maybe this is a game that the Chiefs may rest a couple of their All Blacks. I mean, this could be this could be the case. This is the kind of game where they could perhaps put Marty McKenzie in at ten and hope to still get away with a victory. But you know, I'd like to see all their stars play because I think the Reds will bring a pretty strong performance this week. Something tells me that they're going to be up and about for this game after a couple of flat performances. Um, I'm still going to take the Chiefs, um, you know, based on the fact that I think they will play a full-strength team. Um, I still think it'll be a probably not a high-scoring game because I think the Reds will keep them out pretty well, but I think the Chiefs up there, they've got a little bit too much talent for the Reds at the moment, and, yeah, it, it should be a good game, though, I think. Yeah, so the reason I've, I've made that note is the, the coach was actually asked... Uh, after the game and, and into this week, whether he would be resting players. He's, he's perceived in New Zealand this is going to be a, a weaker opposition for the Chiefs in the Reds. So would he would he take the opportunity to rest some of his All Blacks because they've got their mandatory requirements? And he said no. He said no, I'm expecting to play everyone. He doesn't think it's the right time of the season to be to be giving guys a break. It's it's They've just had a couple of losses and they need to get back on on the winning bandwagon. So I think you're right. If, at full strength, I'd be tipping Chiefs. I'm curious to see if he if he sticks to what he said and, and doesn't find a way to rotate a few guys out. Um, but I would really love to see the Reds lift. This this is a game, I'll be, at a, I'll be at a good friend's wedding this weekend, so I'll have to watch this on replay, but I'll definitely make time to get back and see it. Yeah, well, you look at the Reds and they still have not scored more than 21 points. And we in a game and we talked about they're just not being able to score tries and I was just looking back at some of the results for the Chiefs and look in six out of the seven games they have scored 21 points or more that they've had it was only this last week versus the Hurricanes that limited them to 13 so very hard to say that they won't score over 20 points today and look they still have reasonably strong forwards and reasonable defense so unless the Reds change something I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Chiefs in this game. I do think that the only, you know, weakness potentially Chiefs may have maybe in their front row. Um, they lose, they've lost quite a few props. Um, I six. think the Reds type five, six props, possibly. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're really hanging on by threads there. And the Reds' strength is in their forward. So if they can dominate up front, 
particularly with uh, Taniela Tupo coming back. Um, Rodder and Douglas have been very impressive. As we've talked about, Panga Ramosa has been very good as well and Slipper back to form. So Reds, if they can, you know, dominate up front, I give them a chance. If they come out flat again, they're going to get punished. So we'll, we'll hope that Brad Thorne really has them fired up for this game. Next, the Rebels are heading off on tour and they've got a Bulls team that's, as we've said, been flying high a little bit. Um, first game for the Rebels of the South African tour and they really need a win here to put their season back on track a little bit if they want to finish on top. Yeah, I haven't I haven't thought too far into this one. I think the, the Bulls at home, the Rebels travelling, I haven't seen enough from the Rebels to know that they're this, this dynamic team week to week. I, I think the Bulls off a good win back at home and starting the gel, I, I give the Bulls by probably maybe 10 points. Yeah, especially if they don't have Genia running them around the park, it's really hard to see the Rebels getting a win on this one. I, I think I'll join you there. Bulls by 10 at least, yeah, probably more. Yeah. I think, as I said before, I think the Rebels might surprise a few people this week. If they did have Genia, I'd give them, obviously, an even stronger chance. But if Ruru has a decent game um, and Debrasini can keep them composed... I do think they have a pretty strong chance at, at taking the Bulls. Um, I'm not sure, you know, their tactics in this game, what kind of back row they're going to put out. Uh, the Bulls have some big boys, so, yeah, they might try and combat that with a bit of size there. But, you know, provided I can kind of have a look at the team sheets beforehand, I I might be leaning towards the Rebels in this one, so it'll be interesting. Next we have uh, the Sharks versus Stormers. And, look, it's two teams the Bulls have beaten in the last two weeks. It'll be a bit of an interesting game to see how that middle of the South African conference is going to sort of shake out. Stormers obviously are coming off the bye, so they've had a week to rest up. Um, the Sharks may still be a little bit tired off their tour. and I mean, I think the Stormers might be able to come into Durban and um, give the Sharks another loss here. Mm, I, this, I actually find this game the toughest to pick out of this round entirely. It's... um. It's really hard to know where these teams are placed. They both had a couple of poor performances. Um, obviously, the Sharks, you know, a week ago we were pretty high on, but the Stormers have a lot of class. And I've really only gone for the Sharks here because they're playing at home. Um, if they were playing in Cape Town, I would have taken the Stormers, I think. So flip of the coin a bit for me, but I'll take the Sharks. Yeah, for me, it's home team advantage again. I'm taking the Sharks. The, the teams are pretty comparable at the moment. They've both got potential I think I I think I backed Dupree over Willemsa, generally leading the backs around the park and and the Sharks forwards again. You got another Dupree's, you know, very big and physical. The Stormers Stormers also strong, but I'll, I'll take the home team in this one. I'm pretty sure I thought saw a third Dupree off the bench. There was there is there's another brother. Are they so they're all brothers? Jeez. Yeah, okay, it's like yeah. we're playing for and the Dad's Sharks. Coach, but... I'm taking the Sharks. Yeah, it's our situation. This is our type of team. Do it. That's it. Take we, the sharks, Arch. Guys, we just need to get our dad as a coach of one of the Australian teams, and then we'll all be playing as well. Like we're we're all good <laughs> enough, right? Mate, uh, no I, I think Taft knows how not so good we are. Well, he coached coach soccer once. He could probably pull it off. And the Brums <laughs> and GIO Stadium on Canberra on a sunny Sunday afternoon, and they host the Haguaros and. God, they they got to show the South Americans what 
what Australia rugby is all about. Uh, the Hags must be flying high after beating the Rebels. We can't let them get two in a row, boys. Yeah, I think actually the Rebels did a little bit of a favour to the Brumbies, flagging the Haguaras are up to play on this tour because you saw they, they didn't give up at all, the Hags. They were, they were in the game. Um, they fought to the end, and I don't think they're going to have the same luck against the Brumbies. Um, I'm confident the Brumbies can come out strong, and I think that they'll put quite a few points on the Haguaras this week. I, I want to see the Hags team sheet because I don't think they picked their strongest starting lineup last week. I was really surprised to see Creevy on the bench. Uh, the, if they if they pick what I think is their best team, the Brumbies will need to play really well. They will need to come out strongly, and guys like Pocock stealing the ball will be pivotal, disrupting their their play at the ruck. Uh, if if that all goes to plan for the Brumbies, then they'll the Hags have a lot of potential to get disrupted and and frustrated and, and start imploding. But they haven't done that like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, and they've they stuck it out in a really massive, massive defensive effort against the Rebels, 20-something phases at the end of the game um, to to hold that that attack out. So uh, I'm going to see the team sheets. I'll, I'll tip the Brumbies for the home side, but I'm, I'm not confident until I see that team sheet. Well, this is actually only the second time these two teams have met in Super Rugby, and it's the first time they're going to be playing in Canberra. So a bit of a new venue for the Hags to visit. And look, I'm, I'm looking to get the Brums to make GIO um, a bit more of a fortress. It used to be one of the hardest places to win um, in the Super Rugby in Australia, and I'm hoping they sort of bring that mentality back and show the Haguaris uh, a little bit of that intensity. And I think you're right, the... the Forwards will be key, Pocock will be key, but I'm looking to see the Brumbies win this one and win it well. I really want to see them get their get their season back on track, I think, here. Good stuff. All right, that's all we have time for today. Um, as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or Pocket Cast. Subscribe to us, guys. Give us a review. Um, send us in any questions, any comments. If you don't agree with us about the Wallabies front row, let us know. Uh, you can find us and like us on Facebook or Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or follow us at, on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. And we put up a few interesting stories and news updates. Have a read. Um, Israel Folau's put out his statement regarding his sort of conduct over the last few weeks and his beliefs, which is a really interesting read we put up uh, just yesterday. So have a read of that for us. From all of us here between Australia and the UK, thanks for tuning in. And until next week, guys, keep on running. Run. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast. I'm your host. Uh, I'm your host. I'm your host. I'm the most. Gonna do the host? You I'm your host. Ar- I'm your host, Archie Hughes, and as always, I'm joined by my my. my uh, yeah, I'm not doing hosting. And, and again.